Well, good morning, friends. How are we doing this morning? Good. We're alive. I'm going to teach down here. We're going to be a family this morning. Man, look at the brave, the few. I love that you guys are here this morning. And I've had a blast of a week hanging out with you. Have you guys had fun this week? Hopefully. I love it. I love it. Well, man, I think before we kind of dive in to our message this morning, uh, I just want to thank a few people because without these people, this week would not have been possible. So I just want to thank Becca and the rest of your staff for the incredible week you guys have put on. For Jackson in the back, the unsung hero of sound back there. Uh, And our band, Kendall and crew, Ryan and Matt, thank you so much. And and students, uh, there's one other group of people that you need to recognize. And those are your teachers and your counselors who have been with you all week long. All week long. And I mean, they, they slept next to you. They had to smell your smells and all the things. And man, there's a special place in heaven for you, my friends. Uh, but guys, if you don't listen to anything I say this morning, listen to this. Glue yourselves to these teachers when you go home. Get to know them. Pop in their classrooms at lunch. Ask them questions, not just about your curriculum, but about life. If I could tell you one thing, I wish when I was your age that I would have humbled myself and realized I don't know it all as a junior higher. (laughs) But there's people who have gone before me, who have put in the time, who have suffered hardships, some, some of the same hardships that you are walking through. And if I would have just glued myself to them and asked them questions and sought their advice and they would point me to Jesus, friends, get to know your teachers They're not here because they have to. They're here because they love you. Can you do that for me? Awesome. Well, let me pray as we dive into our last time together. Heavenly Father, God, you're good. I love you. God, I just pray as we have one last time together. Uh, God, would you just bless this time? Holy Spirit, move. God, as we just get to dive into the truth that you're not just a God who abides on a hill. You're not just a God who abides in a church building. You're not just a God who abides when we do Christian-like things. Jesus, but you're with us all the time. If we've given our lives to you, if we've embraced the gospel, if we've proclaimed you as Lord, God, you live inside of us. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, this morning... Last night, we, we looked at the most important message that this world has ever seen, the message that you don't have to stay dead in your sin. Without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are dead in your sin, but it doesn't have to be that way. That Jesus himself comes, takes your punishment, your death, and he pays it in full on the cross so that you can have abundant life in him. That you're no longer marked by sin, but you're marked by eternal life in Jesus. You get to have eternal joy, eternal peace, and eternal hope. And nothing can take that away from you ever, period, full stop. That you become an adopted child of God. But what does that mean after? After that decision that some of you made last night. What happens now? Well, first, Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to uncover this morning, now lives inside of you. 
that God's dwelling place is not somewhere out there or on top of a mountain. His power lives in you. And we're also going to unpack that just because you gave your life to Jesus or you're following Jesus doesn't mean your life is going to be all rainbows and unicorns. Believe it or not, it's actually probably going to get harder, which is a terrible sales pitch, by the way. Because I don't know about you, when I gave my life to Jesus, I had friends who still want nothing to do with Jesus. I think of my two brothers who don't know the Lord. And they think kind of what I do for a living is really weird and kind of a joke. And I have to walk them through what it looks like to walk with Jesus. It's not easier when you give your life to the Lord. It actually, in some ways and in a lot of ways, gets harder. But Jesus makes a promise that you're never going to be alone that he's always going to be with you. And three, if you want to know God's plan A for talking about his rescue of humanity, what is his plan A to set captives free? His plan A, look at me, is you and me. If we've embraced the gospel, if we've given our life to Jesus, if we've made him the Lord of our life, He's looking at you saying, I'm entrusting you with my message of love. And you're my plan A to take that message into your homes. You're my plan A to take that message into your friend groups. You guys are plan A to take that message into your school at King's Academy. He doesn't just save you on purpose, intentionally. He saves you for a purpose. To be his sons and daughters representing him in this world. So let's dive into our time together as we get to unpack who is the Holy Spirit, how does God empower us through hardship, and finally, how do we take this message to our friends and family? Well, in John 20, verse 11 through 29, we see Jesus has resurrected from the dead. No body is found in the tomb, and no body of Jesus has been found since then because he is alive. And what ends up happening is he takes his disciples and he begins to appear to over 500 individuals. And then from there he ascends into heaven. But before he goes into heaven, he makes a promise. He says, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to send you one that is even better than myself. Because I can only be in one place at one time in a human body. But I'm going to give you what is called the helper, as he says in John 14. Or the Holy Spirit. He says this in John 14, 16 through 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you. So if you've embraced the gospel, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you made that decision last night, the Holy Spirit now lives and resides in you. That the God of the universe chooses to dwell here, If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, you still have a God-sized hole in your heart that you can never fill outside of Jesus. And you will constantly try to fill it with other things. Popularity, influencing on social media, sports, fill in the blank, whatever it is, like I was in junior high, just trying to fill my life with everything besides God, and it never filled. But Jesus, when we embrace the gospel, When we give our lives to Jesus, he fills us up in that God-sized hole, and now we become complete in him, and he dwells with us. But 
Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a what. He's not, how many of you are big Star Wars fans? Anyone like Star Wars in here? Praise God, my chosen people, you guys. I think uh, like a good analogy that our lead pastor gave at our church a couple weeks ago was like, I think Star Wars kind of messed up the Holy Spirit for everyone because we just think like he's this cosmic force that we can just force push people across the room. And that's not it at all, although that would be kind of dope, but that's not it at all. It is the person of God. The Holy Spirit is not a what. The Holy Spirit is a who. It is the person of God dwelling inside you. That's crazy. But that's how much he loves you. And we see this in the character of God all throughout history. In Genesis 1, where does God dwell? In the Garden of Eden. In your Old Testament, where does God dwell? In the temple. In Jesus, where does God dwell? In the Son, in Jesus. After Jesus ascends into heaven, he now is going to choose to dwell with and inside of his children, inside of you if you've given your life to God. But why? John 14, 25 says this, these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what is he going to do? The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit, now that lives inside you, is always going to point you to what is true. It's always going to point you to the truth of the Bible. It's always going to point you to the things of God. It's going to bring remembrance to how God is working in your life. And if you're like, is that the Holy Spirit or is that my conscience? Well, I don't know about you, but my conscience usually isn't very nice to me. <laughs> like, oh, Matt, you messed up. You're such an idiot. How could you do that? And all of a sudden, it's this shame language that hopefully maybe my conscience can be kind of mean. Hopefully, that's not yours. But the Holy Spirit reminds you that even in the midst of when you make bad choices, that you're still loved and that there's a better way to do life. It's going to remind you that there's a God all-loving, all-powerful that is pursuing you every second of every day. And another way you can tell whether or not it's the Holy Spirit or your conscience is it's gonna sound a lot like scripture. A couple years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Nicaragua with a bunch of friends. And how about you? I did three years of high school Spanish and I think I can count to 10 and that's it. And I, I have no idea the language. And I remember we're walking across the border from Costa Rica to Nicaragua, and all these uh, border patrol individuals are like asking me questions, and I have no idea what they're saying. At this point, I'm like, just arrest me. I don't know what I'm doing. But then my friend Maddie, praise God, she understood Spanish and was able to speak the language and understand what's going on. So similarly, the language of the Holy Spirit you can find in your Bible if you want to know whether or not it's the Spirit or you, is it saying the same things that Scripture says, that you're fully loved by Christ? That he's better than anything that this world has to offer. Do you believe that? That Jesus is better than anything you're going to find on your phone? He's better than anything you're going to find that this world has to offer in a career? He's better than anything you're going to find in a relationship period full stop? And the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of that. So what does that practically look like? How do you know if the Holy Spirit is working in your life? Here's some practicals. 
Because scripture tells us that on my own strength, I'll never pursue God on my own. That it's fully a work of the Holy Spirit in me. A practical way the Holy Spirit works in your life. When you're tempted to do something that you know is not honoring to God and you hear this voice saying, hey, there's a better way. Boom, there's the Holy Spirit right there. When you have even a small motivation, I don't care how small it is, the smallest motivation, you wake up in the morning and go, maybe I should pray. Boom, there's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Oh, I, I kind of want to read and memorize this verse. Boom, there's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You're walking downtown or you're walking in your school and you see someone in need and you feel moved to help them. There's the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's not just you. Because the scripture would tell us that on my own, I will never do anything to pursue the Lord. You will never do anything on your own strength and motivation to pursue God, period. But it's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And get this, even if you're sitting here going, I don't want those things, but I want to want those things, I'll take it. Boom, there's the Holy Spirit. Even a small, the smallest desire to pursue God or know about God or know about Christ is the Spirit of God moving in your life. So if you've experienced that this week, to read your Bible, to worship, to engage in a conversation about God, that's the Spirit moving in your life. And that Spirit goes with you as you go home. But not only does God dwell with you, he's going to empower you when you go home because it's going to be hard. If you're a believer in Jesus, maybe you're the first believer in your home. Maybe even at a Christian school, you're the minority on your campus. It's possible. I know I went to a Christian school and I thought I was saved because I went to a Christian school. But man, there was so much junk. I went to a private Christian university and I was the only believer in my dorm out of five people at a Christian university. And it was hard. I was the minority. Maybe that is the case for some of you. And Jesus promises this. He says, if the world hates you, know it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, because you've been adopted by God, because I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world will hate you. Remember what I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But then he makes a promise. He then says, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. Guys, the Christian life is hard. It's not easy. It's so much easier to do what the world is wanting you to do. Trust me. It's so much easier to be like, you know what? I'm gonna give my life to whatever the world has to offer. I'm gonna chase after money. I'm gonna chase after finding my identity in a career. I'm gonna chase after whatever I'm seeing on my phone. That's really easy because everybody's doing it and it all leads to brokenness. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. It's hard for me to go, you know what? I know that in my flesh and in my selfishness, I'm going to desire things that are other than God. But I'm going to choose to not only believe with my mouth and my mind that Jesus is better, I'm gonna believe with my actions and walk in that way. And then you know what? You may get canceled for it. <laughs> you may lose friends because of it. Your family might not quite understand you. But you have the God of the universe who dwells in you, who is closer than a brother. And he has overcome 
the world. He doesn't send you into the fray alone. John 16, says this, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage for I have overcome the world. So the Spirit goes with you to remind you of the things of him, but also to empower you because friends, it's hard being a believer, but it's worth every sin. I would rather lose the entire world and forfeit my soul. I'd rather lose the entire world and gain what I have in Jesus than lose my soul. But not only does the Spirit go with you to empower you and encourage you, you guys have each other. Look to your right and to your left. Who you've been sleeping next to all week. You're like, I can't wait to get away from this person. You're like nudging him. But man, you don't go home alone. You go home with each other. I had a friend, her name is Kaylee Bonadonna. Awesome last name, by the way. Bonadonna, it's fun to say. But she told me one day, she's like, Matt, two things you can't do by yourself is get married and be a Christian. I was like, well, maybe in today's culture you can get married. Just kidding. But like two things you can't do by yourself. You can't be a Christian alone. You were never meant to do this life alone. What, does it, what would it look like for you as you're walking in your halls at King's Academy and maybe ask a question, go, hey, how are you doing? And not just ask the question for kicks, but actually care how that person's doing. Like you guys are the greatest support for each other. Your teachers, your churches, your pastors. Do life together. You were never meant to do the Christian life alone. It's a communal life. I have three dudes who I have in a group text in my phone at all times. And I, I text them all the time. Hey, can you just pray for me? I'm going through this. Hey, I'm having a hard time here. Hey, I'm celebrating a joy with you. And they're the first to celebrate with me. They're the first to pray for me. Even my buddy Daniel, who I love Daniel to death, but he's the worst. When I ask him to hold me accountable, he actually does which can be annoying sometimes. I remember I was like, Daniel, hold me accountable to going on a run. And he texts me on Tuesday morning, Matt, I haven't seen a text from you. Are you lazy? And I went on a run the next morning. But he made me better. We do life together. So one, the spirit of God goes with you. He doesn't just live on a mountain. He's in your classes. He's in your homes. He empowers you even when it's hard. And finally, you guys are plan A. He's given you the message of the gospel. There's no excuse. He didn't say, sweet, I'm gonna give the, the, the gift to pastors or staff to go make disciples. He says, I'm gonna give it to anyone and everyone who embraces me as Lord of their life. Then he looks at you and says, students, you are going to reach the ends of the earth for my name. You're gonna reach your classmates for King's Academy in my name. I'm giving you the message of the gospel that I came and died and rose again that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. And he gives that message to you to pass on to others. And we do that in a couple ways, meaning you actually get to talk about Jesus. And it's hard and it's difficult, yes. But I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than watching someone embrace the gospel and go from being dead to alive again. So you do it through communicating it. Think about it this week. Here's some homework, which I know students' homework, you guys have been at camp, but what would it look like to write down what's called your testimony? For me, let me give you an example. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents loved Jesus and know Jesus, but I wanted nothing to do with him. I thought there were better things to do than go to church, to sit in chapel, just fall asleep like some of you. 
But then I remember at 19 years old when I embraced the gospel in the woods of Hume Lake about probably a mile that way, God transformed my life. And I once dedicated myself to living for me, but the Holy Spirit put me on the bench and said, Matt, I'm going to live through you. And I went from being dead to alive, September of 2011. And in that moment, does it mean that I was perfect in that moment? Did I understand everything about God when I gave my life to Jesus? No, but what I did know is that I was fully known, fully forgiven, fully loved, and fully accepted by the God of the universe. And God has taken me on this 12-year journey of discovering who he is. Do I still struggle with sin? Yes. Do I still struggle with doubts? Yes. But is God living in me and is he continue to make me into a deeper person of love? Yes, and that is my story, and it's led me here. Each one of you has a story like that. If you've given your life to Christ, he's changed. Something's happened. You're not dead anymore. You're alive. What would it look like for you to tap a classmate on the shoulder and go, hey, can I just tell you how God has changed my life? Another opportunity, you get home from camp, and your parents ask you, how was camp? You can be like, sweet, I watched my buddy get blobbed and get a concussion. You could say that, and that might be true. Or you go, hey, let me tell you about what truth is. Let me, here's what I learned at camp. I learned that God loves me so much that he gave his son that if I would just believe in him, I should not perish but have eternal life. Boom. You've now preached the gospel. But not only do you do it with your words, not only do you do it through your testimony, believe it or not, you do it in the way you guys treat one another. If you guys just gossip about each other, slander each other, come at each other on DMs, on Instagram, you just look like the world. You just look like everybody else. If you only hang out with people who think, act, and dream the same dreams you have, you just look like everybody else. Like I think of a, a group of college students that meet in my house on Thursday nights. All of them are vastly different with vastly different personalities and vastly different struggles. And they probably wouldn't choose to hang out with each other if it wasn't for our living room. But I've watched them in their differences love each other and pursue each other. And I look at this, something different about that. Because they have every reason in the book to not care about each other, but they do. Why? Because Jesus is working in their life. Friends, the way you guys love each other is a proclamation to the world that Jesus is who he said he says he is. The way you guys treat each other in your classes, the way you guys talk about each other behind and in front of each other's backs is a message to the world of the reconciliation or the love of God. So the way you guys treat each other matters. The way you guys love one another matters. Choosing to not value your own interests, but consider the interests more important than your own. The way you guys love each other is gospel work. Friends, as we go home this morning, my prayer is that you would know that the God of the universe goes home with you. If you've embraced the gospel, the God of the universe lives inside you. And if you're here and, and you're getting to the end of the week, because we've been looking at what truth is, if you're still going, Matt, I, I'm just not ready to give my life to Jesus. I get it. It's hard. It's the biggest decision you'll ever make. But know this. Every moment you draw breath in your lungs, every morning you wake up is proof that the God of the universe is not done chasing after you. That he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish, but have eternal life, and that he himself is going to live inside of you to empower you, to encourage you, and point you to the things of love. Thank you guys for letting me hang out with you. Let me just close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, you're good. God, I know we're tired. I know it's been a long week. But Holy Spirit, I just pray, God, that you would just bring to memory the things we've learned this week as we go home. God, when we get off that bus and our parents and our friends ask us, how was camp? Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind the truth of the gospel? And would you empower us with courage to say it with our mouth? God, that truth is only found in you. Everything that this world has to offer is counterfeit. God, I thank you for these students. You've got incredible plans for them. God, I pray if any is here and they still haven't given their life to you. God, and like me, when I was in junior high, just gave my life to lesser things. Father, I pray that as they draw breath and they wake up in the morning, would you remind them that you have never stopped pursuing them, that you've never stopped loving them, and you're right there whenever they're ready to embrace you as King and Lord. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.